So today we are here with the crew behind Melton Mudblood. We have Michael. Hi there. Madeline. Hi, happy to be here. Raphael. Hi, everyone. And I threw Stephen off. I could see it in yeah, his face. Yeah, okay. So look, <laughs> frequent listeners of the podcast will know, usually Danny says we're here with Stephen, and I say something stupid and whimsical. And then we introduce the guest, and today she threw me off my game. So hello, listeners. Have no fear. I am here. I am super excited to talk to the incredible creative crew uh, behind Milton Mudblood, if for no other reason, although there are many um, but if for no other reason, then the website is insanely good and crisp and clear, and um, I do not have that talent. So I'm excited just to hear all about all this stuff. So <laughs> seriously, welcome to the pod, y'all. Thrilled to have you on. Excited to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Let's start with an introduction from each of you, your house, your Patronus, and your favorite character. Do we have any particular particular order? I'll go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm Madeline, um, and I sorted into Hufflepuff when I was younger. Um, I took the test more recently and got Gryffindor, which I was very surprised by, but I kind of consider myself a Hufflepuff because I, that's what I lived with through my teen years and, and 20s. Um, my Patronus um, I, I can't remember exactly. I think it was like a hedgehog on Pottermore, uh, but I honestly, I'm not sure. Um, it's probably not what I would pick, but uh, it was some small rodent animal. Anyway, um, uh, and um, my favorite character is probably um, Remus Lupin. I had to pick one. That's a good one. Cool. I guess I can go next. Uh, my name is Michael. Uh, let's see. So house. Uh, I I identify as a Slytherin. Um, I sort into uh, Ravenclaw, but I'm Slytherin, and because I because I can decide. The hat, the hat lets you lets you you it weighs your your opinion, right? And uh, I guess for my Patronus, I think my Patronus is a bear, like a big bear. And uh, favorite character, uh, Slughorn, hands down. Mm. Um, yeah, he's he's just. I, I just think he's he's very interesting because I think up until we we meet Slughorn, there's not really a ton of redeemable uh, Slytherins, and it's very cool to sort of see like the good side of ambition to some extent. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hi everyone, my name is Raphael. Um, I sort into Gryffindor, and that pretty much aligns with where I thought I would be sorted. Um, my Patronus is a Russian blue cat. And the funny thing about that is that I'm actually allergic to cats. And so I feel like the Potter world just really made this meant to be, you know. Uh, I've only had one experience really living with the cat and I, I actually built an immunity to this cat and we became very close friends uh, and so you know, my connection to the cat world is is very near and dear to my heart now, even though I am allergic. Um, and my favorite character, this was tough. I, I really had to think about this deeply um, before this interview, but I would have to go with Mrs. Weasley. Um, and it, it's Mrs. Weasley uh, just because of the qualities that I think we see 
in the movies and in the books that she's just a fierce lover of her family, the rock of the Weasley um, uh, team. And, uh, and also just the, the, I should say from the movies, Julie Walters, who plays her, I think is just incredible, incredibly infectious. And, and uh, there's just something really likable about, about her. So so before we dive into how Harry Potter came into all of y'all's lives, I'm curious, how did each other, how, how did you guys come into each other's lives? How do you know each other? Um, I, I guess is the, the simplest way I can ask that question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we all met in school, in college. Uh, we were in the uh, George Mason Theater Department together. So, yeah. Um, and I, I should say, Madeline and I are... Uh, I don't know how to say that without being like awkward or whatever. Marilyn and I are married, uh, and and so we met in the theater department and and fell in love and got married. Um, and we also you know fell in love with Raph and just sort of came around. We, we, we did, did not marry Raph. We would have adopted him if we could have. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. I've been to the George Mason campus. So have I. Vienna. What up? What up? Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I went. I went to AU. So I I spent oh, a lot of time. Cool. Slightly got further in on the metro. Got uh, it. Yeah, I was gonna say the only awkward thing about saying that y'all are married is that I am just both the both of your co-hosts are incredibly single and lonely. And <laughs> um, that's the only awkward thing. The fact that y'all are in love is is perfect. There's nothing awkward about that. Uh, no. Okay. So, um, boy, Danny, I am getting this off the rails already. Um, so, Raphael, let's start with you. How? did Harry Potter first come into your life? Books, movies, otherwise? Harry Potter first came into my life when I was, I believe I was 10 years old. Um, I was playing on a soccer team and one of my closest friends on the soccer team, his name is Drew. I'm already giving you too much details, but he he was really into Harry Potter and, and he really convinced me, um, you know, at a practice or I think it might've been after a match one day to, to give it a go. And Admittedly, even now, you know, as an adult and whatnot, uh, reading has just never been something that I've taken to immediately. It really takes a lot to like hook me into a book. Um, but I was hooked. I was legitimately hooked on Harry Potter until a certain point. And uh, I kind of fell off reading the entire series. Um, and uh so I've I've actually read the the first two, and then I've listened to the audiobook for the Prisoner of Azkaban and the Goblet of Fire. But um, the remainder of the series I've only experienced, which uh, to the Harry Potter world. But now having the chance to really play this character and deep dive into what it means to be a Hufflepuff and what that means to this character, it, it's really kind of rejuvenated my 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 curiosity and enthusiasm for the series. And it, it makes me kind of want to make up for lost time. So I've been telling Madeline and Michael that I've been, you know, trying to catch up, you know, uh, you know, really embracing like embracing that it's never too late. I mean, I'm wearing a Hogwarts t-shirt right now uh, that they gifted to me. Uh, <laughs> and so um, that was my first exposure to uh, Harry Potter. Okay, so we're definitely going to come back to having read parts of it, listened to parts of it, and watched the rest. So so hold on to that for anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes, depending on how <laughs> off track I get us. Um, Madeline, how about you? Um, I also, um, like um, Raph, was not 
a reader. <laughs> I struggled with reading when I was younger. And um, Harry Potter was literally magic because uh, I don't actually remember getting the book, but I can remember sitting on my parents' blue sofa in our living room and just having it click. And I fell in love with it and I tore through it. And then I got to kind of grow up with, uh, with Harry because I think I was maybe just one year ahead of him but um it or ahead of the books I know they eventually we fell behind but oh they fell behind um but uh it was it was magical and uh I credit Harry Potter with my love of reading I've also listened to the whole series many 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 times it is my go-to for comfort in times of trial (laughs) and um it, it just it's near and dear to my heart since I was probably about 11. Is that the stand-in for Crookshank right there? <laughs> this, this is this is Remus. He plays King Bubba. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. And he's making so, himself at home. <laughs> as, as any good cat can and should. Um, it's funny you mention like, sitting on the blue couch even today. So the listeners will know I've been in the midst of a cross-country move and I'm unpacking and all of the the trouble and trials that come with me trying to unpack also you know working on stuff anywho the point is i've been unpacking some of my books today and i found my original sorcerer stone like the very first one that's all worn and 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 doesn't have a cover and all this stuff and i can so vividly recall exactly where i was the first time i read it and yeah i i I, your your blue couch moment something i so vividly have for my own self so I, i i love that um Michael, how about you? How did Harry Potter first uh, come into your life? Yeah, um, so I always read like a lot, a lot. Um, I was just one of those kids who was like always kind of nosing the books. And um, as a result of that, I read, I, I, I because I read so much, I read above my grade level um, all through school. And so first time around, I kind of missed Harry Potter um, to some extent because I was reading like, grown-up books when all the other kids were reading Harry Potter and I remember um, where I actually came to Harry Potter is uh, I was I was reading a book that I should not have been reading because I was not old enough called The Dresden Files um, by Jim Butcher which is a, a similar-ish story it's a about a wizard whose name is Harry and there you go and one of my friends I was telling one of my friends about it and they're like oh it's like Harry Potter and I'm like ah, I'm, not, I'm not gonna read that that's a kid book um and, you know, he's like, no, it's really good. And it sounds a lot like what you're reading now. So, so you know, he sort of put me onto it. And uh, I, I read I read all of them as quickly as I could. And I, I think at that point, um, it was right before uh, uh, Half-Blood Prince came out. Um, so I, I caught up in like a month <laughs> the first time through and then and then got my, my Half-Blood Prince. But yeah, I remember a uh, weird, weird, weird story is that I, I finished one book and I didn't have the next one. And uh, I think it was, it was Goblet of Fire. I, I didn't have Goblet of Fire. And I was like, I have to find this. And I, you know, I was like, I have to find this on the internet. And I found a Game Boy Advanced ROM that I could play on an emulator on my computer. And I read Goblet of Fire in one sitting, scrolling on the computer with an illegal copy. So there you have it. Yeah, there was one point... I, where I found like an illegal ad, it must have been on Android because there's no way it would have gotten through Apple's uh, QA process. But 
Yeah, I found an illegal app that had all the books right there for free. And I could read them on car trips. I could read them on the Metro. I could read them wherever. It was incredible. Yeah. It was absolutely. And look, retroactively, now that everything that's going on in the world and why we might feel hesitant to give the creator of the series some of our money, that's like an extra kind of fuck you towards the creator. I'm like, yeah, I read your books for free. Yeah, I was doing it before it was popular and cool to do it. <laughs> Now, I remember when digital books kind of became a thing. That was really interesting. Like before Kindles, um, like reading on a computer was a thing that I did a lot. And it's terrible. Don't don't sit in front of a computer and read. That's all the wrong things about it. But having a Kindle now, it's like having a library in your, in your pocket. It's amazing. I'm really enjoying the cat. Sorry. He's a ham. Oh no, do not apologize. <laughs> there we should probably just have a album of all the cats that have joined the podcast. <laughs> so from finding each other and the love of Harry Potter, how do you go from for one figuring out you all love Harry Potter enough to decide to create a YouTube channel based around the wizarding world? And where did that kind of idea spawn from? Uh, cool. So uh, I'll, I'll start and, and sort of like pass off to, to uh, my friends here. Sorry, Remus, I need my book. Um, so Milton, Milton Mudblood's Magic for Everyone uh, started back in like 2016. So it was quite a while ago. Um, I am a video producer um, for a living and I was teaching myself a program called After Effects, which is how you do all the fancy, you know, sparks and things. And uh, I, I, I was learning and because and, I kind of needed to two for work. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to put together like a reel of all these effects. So this is 2016, I don't know a whole lot about After Effects. And I, I, uh, the way that you learn After Effects when you don't know After Effects or any program now is that you go to YouTube and you go, hey, 12 year olds, uh, can you teach me how to do this thing? And they go, hey, everybody, uh, here I'm back with another After Effects tutorial and they teach you how to do it. And I just thought that was, that was sort of interesting. And so I was watching a ton of those. And at the same time, I was thinking about magic and like how to do, how do you do create special effects? And that, that those two things just sort of gelled together in my mind. Um, and from that, we get Milton, who's a YouTuber, who is also a wizard. Um, it the, the series, like, as an idea and the character and all of the things evolved a lot from that initial start. But that's that's kind of where where it started for me. And then, you know, um, Madeline, who was my girlfriend at the time, you weren't even my fiance yet. Um, we just started sort of talking about like, like this weird idea I had of like, what if, what if a wizard had a YouTube series? And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think at the time we really thought we would ever film it. And lo and behold, uh, now then we did, <laughs> but yeah. Um, do you want to talk about like the early stages for, for us, like as a concept, like when we're, we're filming, getting ready to film all that? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I, I would say I always thought we would film it. Oh, but, well. Um, <laughs> now that's awkward. <laughs> I think um, we, we both are very good at having faith in each other when uh, the other doesn't <laughs> have faith in themselves. So um, I, I definitely uh, enjoyed having the long conversations we had where we were talking about all the possibilities um, and we just kind of go down these rabbit holes of what could it be and uh, it just got bigger and bigger and more <laughs> elaborate and the story got more complex and then we started realizing 
oh, we, we were really trying to say something with yeah. the with the story that was coming into being. Um, and I think once you really started writing and we got um, Raph on board, um, that's when all of a sudden we launched into, oh, this is happening. And now we have a lot of work to do um, in <laughs> pre-production. And, um, and yeah, the whole thing really came together in about, what would you say? What do you mean the actual like production? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were probably in actual production for about a year. Um, with we filmed and we filmed over the course of six days, but like the pr- like production, like we were shooting, and then you know we, we we shot all the actors at different times, and there's lots of, lots of pieces there. But we were probably in in real production for about a year. Yeah, um, the uh, the the little ripple there that that I think is just sort of interesting is that I originally intended to play Milton myself, and as this like got more and more com- because it, it, when it, when we started it it was me holding a cell phone and that's what it, what the whole thing would have been, and uh, as as it quickly became a thing where it was like well not only can I am I not a good enough actor for this I also uh, <laughs> can't do all of that as well and you know we started talking about like who are our favorite actors who are our favorite people to work with and Raph is like very much at the top of that list. Um, and so is, you know, everybody else that was involved uh, as an actor in the, in the, uh, the production, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, and I don't remember Raph. Do you remember when we first asked you about this? Um, I remember you, that Michael called me, he called me out of the blue <laughs> with a pitch, um, and then sent a follow, uh, sent a follow on email, but he called me out of the blue with a pitch. It was the summer. It could have been even the spring of last year. It was might have been like May or June of last year with it with a pitch, and just gave me some time to think about it, and then sent me a few sides um, talking about how you guys wanted to move forward, and then the conversation kind of evolved to well, why don't we have a screen test? And so they brought me in. We had a screen test. Um, I read a few sides. I read against another actor that they have in this production. Her name is Katie Brumberg, and after that, the conversation led up to uh, an offer and and that really began this uh, amazing collaboration. And I was just, you know, a, a part of it at the end of this uh, long uh, period of production and creativity and inspiration that they worked on together. So it's been an honor for me. So there's a couple of different things, two different sides of, of the same coin here that I want to talk about, which is you know, you just talked about right there, right? That you're reading sides, you're screen testing, you have very fully defined pre-production, production, post-production, right? That is is a level of, I'll just say professionalism, you know, in the sense that we don't usually see that, especially in like the like fan-created Potter content space um, is one side of, of that. And then the other side is, and this is something I want to talk about having watched all the videos is, to me, at least, and this is touching on Madeline, you said that as you were kind of writing, you guys were writing, like, you realized very quickly on there was something you wanted to say with the character. You know, to me, the character seems very fully formed, right? Like from, from the first Instagram post, the first YouTube video, like the website, it, it doesn't feel, at least to the viewer, that there's too much of an iterative process there. Like from day one, it seems like y'all hit the ground with a very clear vision. So, you know, in my mind, both of those uh, thoughts kind of connect in the sense that this is a very well thought out, well conceived, like a fully rehearsed thing. 
can you all talk to that? I don't even know what the question would be. <laughs> it, 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 that is so fascinating to me. I think we can thank all of our backgrounds in theater. Um, we're all theater majors. <laughs> uh, so doing things uh, in an orderly fashion is something that our stage managers have always kind of drilled into us. Um, Michael has the production experience. I'll let you uh, speak to that. Yeah. Um, so, so what I, what I do in my real life is I'm a video producer. Um, so, so in a way I cheat a little bit because like, this is what I do every day. Um, and it's also weird cause that's also what I do for fun and no one, no one seems to really understand that. But, um, I, I will say that like, as far as the, the character goes and it kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the idea that the character is like fully formed at, uh, it's the first, the first time the audience sees them is, 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 uh, uh, I think a product of of all the planning and of all the like we you know we know obviously we've we've shifted stuff around a lot but um we I knew before we filmed anything I knew how it was ending I knew you know before like I mean we shot a lot of it out of order actually because we knew how where it was going and then the same thing for the social posts and and all the the whole narrative structure was sort of written out before we we started and then you know things changed um and I just wanted to touch on really quickly that like uh we've actually re edited quite a bit from what we'd originally planned uh to now um because a lot of the post-production ended up happening during the pandemic and in and all of the sort of things that were happening in the world um there there's um subplots and and things that that we didn't feel were like were appropriate um because of you know uh the just the the conversation about policing the conversation like there was there were sort of some bigger things that that we 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 decided like actually what the world needs now is fun um so we recut a lot of it um to, to sort of uh put the fun front and center and you know obviously there's there's a message and there's a feeling there are feelings that, that milton has as a character but um some of the intensity got dialed back a little bit in the edit um just because we're like is what the world needs right now uh, uh more violence and anger no and so there was a little bit of that and not a, not a ton but it was a little bit of that and we, we've we've cut a lot of that out So. So. Yeah, it was definitely uh, softened. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you're okay. Go for it. We're here to um, hear from you. <laughs> another reason I think it it probably feels very put together is uh, the creating the web series was one part of it. And another thing that we did, obviously, was try to create this character's um, kind of online presence to support the web series. And so that was all also all done in like pre-production, pre-launch. Um, so I think that's part of why it kind of holds up as like a, a fully formed character because um, he was definitely rounded out and, and planned out before anything started. Yeah. And, and one of my, my favorite things, just I'm going to pat myself on the back here for a second. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorite things about the, about the character, um, and it's something that we, we, we talked about really early on and I really wanted to do, and I feel like it's something that we were successful at, is that Milton is a character. He's not Raph. Um, he's, he's a character and he lives on social media and he interacts with people on social media and he has his own web series and, and all of these things. And so there's like a little, a level of meta that is just very interesting to Remus. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is attacking a computer. Uh, <laughs> there's a level of meta where he's, he's actually interacting with, with real people and he's not real. And, and that is just fascinating to me kind of, as, as I said, like when we were sort of starting out um, and I was watching all these YouTubers as I was trying to desperately learn After Effects so I could 
continue to be employed. Um, that they, there's like a persona that they play, and that that, that was just sort of fascinating to me. So I wholly no, I'm Danny. I need to say I'm getting this out there because the opportunity is ripe. Uh, if anyone has ever once been offended by any of the dumb shit I've said in this podcast, let the record reflect I am playing a character. Okay? <laughs> Look, if you disagree with any of the stupid things that I've said and done on Creating Magic and will continue to say and do on Creating Magic, Danny, put your hand down. Um, <laughs> I am playing a character. Anywho, Danny, you have a follow-up. I'm going to start with I like that you shout out stage managers because as a former stage manager, I love that. And I want to talk to Raphael about playing this character and creating that persona and kind of what, how you brought that to life and what you may have added to that. A great question. Um, you know, I, I really feel that a lot of the work was done for me because of Michael and Madeline's creation of Milton and the world that he lives in. Um, and so, you know, when I, when I receive a script, I like to read it many times. I like to really understand and pl place myself in this character's position, um, given circumstances, um, understanding, you know, how they perceive the world and whatnot. And just being able to read the script and, and have uh, conversations with Michael and Madeline, and then uh, uncharacteristic to film production, we got to actually have a, a series of rehearsals prior to our first um our first day on set, I, I think that really, you know, mobilized me to to create the character that I've been able to create and continue to explore as as the series evolves. Um, but I would say, really, it it was it, it's it's been a combination of a few things. Um, like I mentioned previously, I, I haven't read all the Harry Potter books. Um, I've watched all the movies. And actually prior to being cast, uh, before Michael gave me the offer, this was something that I was very clear and I wanted to be transparent with is that I wasn't sure what their expectations were for, you know, an actor playing Milton who isn't completely immersed in the Potterverse. Yes, I do love Harry Potter. And I can definitively say that I, I have definitely loved the series and the characters uh, for a long, long time, but don't have, you know, the level of knowledge as other, you know, Pottermore and Potterverse um, uh, communities. And so I had to tell them that, you know, this is, this is my level of knowledge on, you know, all things Harry Potter is definitely lacking, but what was unique is that we got to embrace this as an, as an opportunity um, for myself as an actor to really take on um, this character of Milton, a wizard, a young Asian American male in a way that, that I could just see myself, you know, and the way that, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make choices and, and make decisions that are consistent with what are in the script and what Michael has very carefully put together. Um, but he really gave me the freedom to make choices and to explore, you know, when we were shooting, we would just roll on, on, on things uh, for long amounts of time. And I would just, I would try a million different things and, you know, some were disastrous, some made more sense, you know, some seemed a little bit out of sorts, but I think it was just a combination of all those things put together and just the openness of process that we had uh, made it like such a joy for me. Yeah, I had been, I had been watching the videos in the, the past couple of days and lead up to this episode and 
the responsible co-host would have taken notes about some of the lines that I found really kind of prescient and 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 impactful in and of themselves. But of course, I think it's hard not to view things through the lens of the year that we've had and and really just that the overall trend of the world over the past couple of years. Um, so I don't have those incredible quotes that I want to share, but I do, you know, specifically in the the Who is Milton Mudblood video, I believe it was on YouTube, right? Talking about your backstory, you know, the, the character's backstory, right? Um, there, there, there's, to your point earlier, Michael, and I don't know, again, if this is something that y'all kind of played with in the edit um, or if this genuinely was something that was always there, it feels like this character is is so much born out of this place of just carefree joy and and a direct response, but not speaking a direct response to without speaking at kind of uh, the facile term being like the haters in the world. Right. Um, So I guess the question is, what is Milton Mudblood trying to say? Yeah, um, both Madeline and Raph just looked at me. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm happy to take that. Um, as the I, one who wrote the as words, the one he who says. wrote the words, he says. Uh, uh, so, I'm gonna have to. Sorry, this might be a little meandering, but um, I, you know, Harry Potter, as we have discussed, is very important to me, um, and. I, I I sort of uh, like there's there's pieces of Milton's story when he talks about being at Hogwarts and being like an American at Hogwarts and how that's like kind of like being a little bit of an outsider and and all of that a lot of that comes from 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 my life as well is that you know I I attended a, a, a private school and I was there on a scholarship and like feeling like kind of like an outsider at school is something that that you know uh, that that I that just resonated with me but really I think. Uh, I, I, as I as I read Harry Potter as a, as a young person, and then you know again, like I read it every year, I read the whole series every year, more or less. Um, I, I kind of felt like I wasn't there, to some extent. Like I, in terms of representation, there's not a uh, you know I, I identify with Slughorn probably more than anybody, um, and and like I I felt like um, you know both just just as a person of color. And as a as a uh, an American, and as a, all the things that I can identify as. I wasn't in the Harry Potter, and really, I think Milton is is in a lot of ways how uh, a shot at that. A, a me going if I lived in this world and I was sort of this person, you know, uh, and I was imagining the American in Hogwarts, what would that be like? Um, and and you know, to 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 actually like really answer your question, uh, what's Milton Mudblood trying to say? I think that it's ultimately that magic is for everyone, and that that there's an opportunity in every story to. Uh, see yourself and to have fun in that story. And, you know, I think that, you know, no piece of art is perfect. No piece of art represents everybody equally, but um, that doesn't mean we can't enjoy it equally. That doesn't mean we can't strive to sort of, um, you know, even as fans, we go and we're adding stuff to this universe because we're going, I'm not there, put me in. Um, Yeah. Right. So that is where Milton was created and kind of where he is at this point. Where does he head next and what is that going to look like? Or do you have an idea of that realm? Yeah. uh, So we certainly have ideas. Um, I I won't reveal all of them at this moment, but I I will say that uh, we've 
we've shot, we're filmed what we filmed. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic happened. And, and so we will be, uh, the hope is that Milton will continue as a character for quite a while and will live in everyone's social media inbox and all of those things. Um, the expression of that is probably going to shift because we, we can't be in, in the same place <laughs> or that's much more difficult than it was, you know, when we were filming uh, this time last year. Raphael, let me ask you, what, what do you enjoy the most about embodying this character? What, what is it, like, if, if you're to distill kind of your work and your effort on this project, like, what would you want people to know about it? I would say it's the quality of Milton that sees the best in everything, that sees, that, that finds beauty in the darkest places, that can uh, see something brilliant and shining uh, in an otherwise drab or dark location. Um, his optimism, and yet the fact that it's not, um, it, it's not just, you know, it's not, um, what's the word, flippant. You know, it comes from a, from a deeply rooted place of, of honest love for the world and for its inhabitants, um, both magical and non-magical. Um, with that, embracing the idea of diversity, embracing the idea of inclusion and equality. Um, and those are things that I deeply resonate with as a person and as an actor. And so having those things in this, the character profile, you know, really made it, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, it, it really helped me really attune to who I felt Milton was and in our discussion with Michael and Madeline, who we, who we thought uh, Milton would be. And, and again, like uh, our creative process is always evolving. You know, we're always in, in constant conversation of, of where we're going and, and whatnot. Um, and I think that's what makes this, uh, this partnership that we have uh, um, really magical is that we're just on, we're always on the same page because we can really have these discussions before shooting. You know, we, we really create the time and are intentional about the time uh, before going on set or recording a piece of, um, you know, a side or, you know, uh, a little uh, pickup, you know. Um, but uh, I would say those are the things that make me really resonate with Milton. I think especially yeah. after looking at this year, that type of character is someone people need. Like they need to see that the, there's good and that there's a light. And especially even with just your little group here, having that inclusion and so many people represented it, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people. And like, cause you guys came across, because uh, I know you guys emailed us, but we had been hearing your name from a few of the other people we've had on the podcast before we had your email. So we already had like you in the background of hearing from about you guys and what was out there. And if we had been more of a responsible entity who actually plans content and does things ahead of time, we probably would have reached out. Uh, thankfully, you guys are on the ball and we were happily accepting of, <laughs> of, of the request. So, um, no, so I, I, I'm, I guess we're jumping out of order here in terms of questions. So to the listeners who are feeling a little bit of whiplash, I apologize. But 
Um, Madeline, you are listed on, again, this incredible website as the production designer. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what you're going for with with the sets and the designs? Um, I, I mean, I, I love it. It's great. It's kind of my level of, um, look, I'm assuming those are like Ikea plants. Um, uh, it's my level of decor and design with like, like fake vines everywhere and stuff. Can, can you just speak to, to that whole, that whole endeavor? Yeah. Um, so I guess the ideal, um, that I kind of imagined for Milton's world was the, the depth and the textures of Harry Potter in both the books and the movies but with an injection of color. Um, and so that that was kind of the goal. I, I, I wanted it to feel organic and saturated. Um, and we were on a budget. <laughs> so uh, it is what it is, but um, I, I'm still proud of it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Oh yeah, by by no means. <laughs> Please do not mistake my those are probably IKEA plants as any form of denigration. <laughs> I have furnished my apartment with IKEA foliage and quotation marks um, for going on like eight years now. <laughs> I love it. I was there the other day. I drove down all my Connecticut <laughs> listeners, all my fellow nutmeggers. I drove from Hartford down. I think it was eighty four. And I went to the New Haven Ikea and I stocked up on little Ivy things and now they're all over my mantle. It looks great. Um, so anywho, yeah, trust me, that was not me saying, oh, Ikea plants, I could have done better. No, it, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, it's really well done. It, it, to the, to the, to the overall theme of, of having kind of like a very organized, but whimsical kind of embodiment and obviously a Hufflepuff and all this good stuff. Right. I think absolutely nails kind of the, the visual core and the identity of, of the character. So it was a compliment. And even with like things, we know how budgets work. I know how much those glasses cost because I own them in three different colors. Like, <laughs> they're on Budget. my face. Um, but it, it, the way it presents itself and looks, it doesn't look like you were like pinching pennies. Like it looks really well done to the point that I was, and I have real live plants everywhere. I was like, oh, that is perfect. <laughs> I, I think we have really big dreams. It's something that um, that's just been a theme in our lives. Um, so it's, it always feels to me as though I've fallen short of those dreams um, in terms of like realizing uh, what, I can imagine and what Michael can imagine. Um, but it's great to hear that it, it, it fills out the screen for some folks. <laughs> it definitely does. So before the next section, we're going to go into opinions on the Harry Potter series that have no right or wrong answer, depending on St Stephen's mood and the question. <laughs> Before we do that, do you guys want to have, add anything about what you guys are doing and about Milton? Stay tuned, I guess. I mean, we've, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of anything we didn't really. You're, you're laughing at me now. <laughs> He's, you're, yes. Um, yeah, definitely follow 
please follow us on our journey. Milton's got got a ways to go yet. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with an easy question. Favorite book, least favorite book, favorite movie, least favorite movie. My favorite book is probably The Prisoner of Azkaban. And my least favorite book as a kid was uh, Chamber of Secrets, which I don't dislike as much as I did then. Um, now, I, I think it's a very dark book. Um, and when I, it just wasn't something I gravitated towards. I'm glad I got through it to the next one. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, I would have to say Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite. So favorite book uh is probably half lead prince and i know that that's not um some people's favorite book it's certainly mine <laughs> i just think uh, uh you know i love i love slughorn and i i love i love seeing snape play out and and uh uh and then my least favorite book is is chamber of secrets and it's still chamber of secrets and uh you know i have a lot of i could talk for hours about all the things i don't like in chamber of secrets um uh but I, I, I describe when we, so we, Madeline and I talk about Harry Potter pretty much constantly. And I always describe Chamber of Secrets as the chipped cup that we keep because it's part of the set. Um, but it's inherently, to me, it, it, it feels like it rehashes a lot of stuff that we dealt with in the first book and doesn't really advance it. And then at the same time, it's like, it's necessary to get us to prisoner. But it feels like, okay, well, guys, take a nap. We got some exposition to get get through and here's some some uh you know yeah in any case um and then then for the films uh i I, i'll say that i actually don't love all the films i don't love a lot of the films i'm sorry if that's a that's an unpopular uh thing to say but i just i there's i saw something very specific in my mind when reading the books and the films seemed like like you know madeline was talking about with with milton like this pops of color and that was to me one of the things that felt missing in the films you know i mean i'm a film nerd so i'm looking at the color grades all the time and i'm looking at how the scenes are lit and it's 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 dark and 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 for a lot of it and i i just i always saw saw everything being magically bright um but i think i think my 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 favorite movie um uh, Goblet of Fire, actually, because I just think it's 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 probably one of the one of the brighter movies, and it's it's there's just so much happening, and it's it's really cool. It's it's probably incomprehensible as a piece of film, but uh, it's 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 probably the one that I I'll watch. I'll go and I will go and sit and watch that, and I, the other ones I'm kind of like yeah, maybe. Incomprehensible as a piece of film is now going to forever be my explanation of how I feel about Goblet of Fire. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, no, I'm really glad that you brought up the the color grades and, and the palettes of the movies as they go on, because I have all of the 27 by 40 posters in other rooms of this apartment. And if you put them sequentially, right, there is some color at the start. And then obviously Azkaban hits and Alfonso Coron comes in and changes everything into this very uh, dark, dreary blues. And then the movie just kind of they get sapped of color as the movies go on until all of a sudden you get part seven or seven part two where there's fire everywhere because everyone's <laughs> yeah everything's blowing up um but that's something i've always latched onto with the films and i'm really glad you caught that um rafael so earlier in what was a perfect tease um we talked about how you've read some of the books you've listened to some and then you've seen the others and i'm curious how you feel about 
the series as a whole in terms of favorites and least favorites and, and what you read versus what you saw, particularly off the back of Michael's comment about having had a vision in your head, right? And as someone who's an actor, you understand this better than most, right? You have a vision of something in your head when you read it and when you see it on screen or on stage, there's going to be a different interpretation inevitably. I'm curious where you fell in terms of, of that realization. Right. So I've really had a very, I've, I've had a very composite experience. I, I've, I've read two of the books. I've listened to the audiobooks for two of the books, and then I've watched the rest of the series. Granted, I've also watched the whole series, um, the movie interpretations. And, you know, I really, I really feel like it's, for me, it's kind of like taking the best out of each place. That's sort of how I, how I see, how I see it is, um, most recently, I, I listened to the audiobook by Stephen Fry, his interpretation of The Goblet of Fire. And particularly, I, I did listen to the Jim Dale version as well. And I think they're both excellent. Um, but I just, this is just my personal opinion. I, I, I really, really take to Stephen Fry's interpretation of, of the words and the, and the language. And it's because I think he does just enough to let me close my eyes, listen to the words that he's saying, listen to it, and then really envision it and see it. And it's been pretty remarkable, pretty amazing, because the third and fourth movies, specifically the ones that I've, I've listened to the audiobook, I haven't watched in a while. Um, but having listened to the description of, you know, Professor Trelawney's tower, for example, you know, there's, there's a trap door and you have to climb a ladder to get into the tower. And then in the movie, that just ceases to exist. Um, and yet, so little details like that, uh, like Professor Trelawney's Tower, I felt were really enriching in, in the audiobook and then in the book, which I didn't read, of course, but I listened to. Um, but for me, honestly, it's it was that first fascination when I when I when it really caught fire for me in the beginning when I was when I was younger, um, the Sorcerer's Stone and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, it's really kind of been a composite experience. It's been that experience, and then it's been revisiting the audiobooks and listening to the audiobooks, and then it's been seeing the realization of these books on screen. Um, that's that's made it magical in an own in my own way. Um, and now I, I just want to get a fully enriched experience by reading all the books, so or at least listening to them. Um, so I can really have that uh, the full experience that a lot of the Potter family has had. Yeah, if I could, if I could just add one thing um, about that, uh, that that uh, I, I thought it was sort of interesting. So when we when we um, we kind of knew we wanted to cast Raph as Melton, and um, we we didn't know if Raph had like how big of a Potter fan he was. So like I think in the initial pitch, I was like, I hope you know anything about Harry Potter because otherwise I'm going to sound like a like a crazy ranting lunatic, um, and. Uh, when he was like, yeah, so, you know, I've read some of them and, and you know, I watched the movies and we were a little bit like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? Like, we know we want to work with Raph, but like, <laughs> does he have the Potter knowledge? And I actually think it was a blessing in disguise um, uh, because there's so much about the Milton portrayal and about Raph's performance that is Raph approaching all of this as given circumstances as an actor and go and putting his own interpretation on that. And, you know, me going like, Oh, like, like, so this is a thing in like the sixth book and it's, it's a tiny little detail and it's really important to this moment. And, and here's what this means for the character. And it forces us to not work from a place of 
give me what Daniel Radcliffe did. Uh, you know, it's like when Newt Scamander did that thing and we, we had to go, go back to like kind of the formula a little bit there. And, and, and it, it, I think it, it elevated the whole piece as a whole. Yeah, it, I think it really gave us a very authentic uh, character, a very authentic performance. Um, something I wanted to say um, that I should have said earlier, Danny, when you asked, but uh, that all it's probably all the talking about how you guys feel about Harry Potter makes me very uh, sentimental. But I just feel really lucky um, to get to work with you and you, Michael, and Raphael. Um, I know that it is not a normal or common thing to have people as talented and as dedicated to our particular brand of insanity. And um, I just, I feel like I get to work with just pure excellence with the both of them. And um, it's, it is a pleasure. So I just wanted to, wanted to say that I I feel very fortunate. I, um, I, I think Milton is all of us he comes from all of us and um well i think that pretty much speaks for the relationships that we're very fortunate to have i believe that is a perfect way to end this section um i love that i love seeing your friendship and how you guys work together just sitting here and it really is like amazing when like those fandoms and weird things and Steven and I both have theater backgrounds too. So we see like, we understand how some of that comes in (laughs) and that just the things that a lot of others would see as outsider type things is what bring us us all together in that type of realm. So one of the things we do, and I did not tell you guys about this. So if you have people you want to shout out, that's great. If not, don't worry about it is we like to shout out some of our favorite creators or anyone we see like on Instagram, on YouTube, if there's anyone that you really love, uh, we do like shops, pretty much anything. So if there are people that you just want to shout out, uh, feel free to. Um, So I have two for this episode. Uh, One, and Danny, I don't know if you had used this person before. I feel like you might have. So, you know. This could be a new shout out or this could be just a repeat because we're just doubling down on our appreciation. Um, the Curly Witch Creations, uh, Lisa Ann, I believe is her name. Uh, I, she has a Dutch flag flying in her Instagram bio, so I'm going to assume she is from the Netherlands. Um, her photos are just incredible, uh, straight up incredible. Um, does some really cool cosplays, kind of has like the what I'm going to call um, uh, Rizzo haircut going on from Greece. Um but just really, really cool use of, of kind of softening background colors and playing up a lot of natural browns and greens. And um, most recent photo of, of theirs that I'm looking at um, at the time of recording here, it says, say Hogwarts. And it's a picture of Hermione's extendable bag with a wand and some Polaroids and an old fashioned cotton creepy camera. Just really, really cool stuff. Um, so, so loving, loving your work, please, please continue to bring some, some happiness and joy into the feed. Thank you. And then, um, per usual, Danny, I do have a good dude of the week award. Um, so the good dude of the week actually goes to someone who is not in the Potterverse is someone who I work with. His name is Adam, Adam Haythorn. That's at Adam dot Haythorn. Um, 
Adam has not, Adam and I don't really talk that much. He's part of my program. I know him minimally. Um, but I found out through a friend of mine that he listened to one of the, my podcast episodes the other day. Um, so that was pretty cool. I mean, he hasn't told me about it. I don't, he doesn't need to tell me about it, mind you, but he hasn't. Um, that's all to say, Adam, if you hear this, I appreciate that you're listening. Um, it means a lot. Thank you. So we have shouted out the Curly Witch Creations before, but it wasn't me. It was our good friend Trey because he did a collaboration with her. So I knew it sounded familiar. They did a really cool edit where they had like the port key going and they were both waving to each other. Speaking of Trey, speaking of I am Black Harry, and again, he is Black Harry. I am not Black Harry. That's his Instagram name. Um, He is somewhat back on Instagram the other day. Trey posted something for the first time in damn near three months. And it was so, so good to see, to see him back in in whatever capacity he is. I know he's got a lot going on in in his world off of the socials. So uh, Trey, you know that we love you. You know that we miss you. And uh, yeah. Glad to get whatever glimpses of you we can. Hope hope everything's going well for you and your family down there in Texas. Didn't you guys find someone? Yeah, sorry. Um, You're okay. I just want to leave anybody out. Yeah, I just <laughs> we did the same. I, <laughs> um, I, I a group that we kind of stumbled upon mid Milton production um is the masterful magical minorities group um right. <laughs> we love that. yeah yeah with um the dapper minister and elements of magic and um all of those folks uh they've bef- definitely been very inspirational um to and kind of fuel to the fire of milton's social um and they've been supportive and um yeah we just we love them uh you got to do yourself a favor. You got to do yourself a favor. You cannot. So Amana, um, who is one of the the five creators behind that, she posts the most incredible food photos at Magical Food Department. Do not look at those during the workday, because <laughs> if you're no, if you don't have the time or the physical ability to be in your kitchen preparing something, you're going to be screwed the rest of the day. She look. I don't really do the whole vegan thing. It's just not my thing. And her food looks incredible. I would devour it point is she posts incredible photos of really cool looking food um do not torture yourself by looking at it during the middle of the day anywho i interrupted i am so sorry no you're fine um for shops and i'm not going to say this right but it's the in can apothecary their photography is incredible they their potion potions and and such things uh their work is beautiful and inspirational. Um, we did a lot of product photography for Milton, obviously. And so it's really exciting to see um, other people's takes on both product creation, because we created all the products that, that you see in, in the show, um, but also how they photograph them. Um, Cause we, we've been through all that. So I know how much work it takes and their work is really impeccable. Yeah, I, I, I uh, um, I'm gonna just harp on on, on the masterful magical minorities because I remember when we. Um, so I'm not I'm not huge on social media in general because I have to do it for work, and so I, I do all of my Facebooking and Twittering and all of the things as part of my job, and then I don't want to do it when I come home. But I remember when we when when we came across the masterful magical minorities, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy. There's all these other people, they're doing it too, um, and that that was just it was just it was very fun to find a tribe there. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. 
huge fan of magical minorities, so extra plug there. <laughs> um, one one group that I've that I've loved uh, interacting with on particularly Instagram is the Wizarding Sibs. Um, they're just they're such a cool team, and just the creativity they have, and and the joy that they bring to you know however they want to interact with the Potter world, you know. I just I like the fact that you know they're, they're not always looking to find like the perfect angle photo or it doesn't have to be you know super specific super you know detailed it can just be them you know wearing their Gryffindor scarf and just having a great day and 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 posting that picture of Gryffindor pride I just think that's really cool um and uh another one also is Jamila um who goes by the tag uh, goes by the tag uh Crookshanks uh literally in her in her uh in her bio, it's you're valid, you're welcome. And um, she's also a Hufflepuff Leo. Uh, and I, I think that's, I think that's really cool. Um, just because I know that, I know that in some forms and, in, and, and I guess some, some people can, you know, compartmentalize Hufflepuffs into a category. And, uh, and I think, you know, a lot of Leo qualities are also very, very much part of being a Hufflepuff you know, that there are many dimensions to being a Hufflepuff and having played a Hufflepuff as Milton, um, I can definitely uh, speak a little bit to that, so. Yeah, and let me just say, Danny, I know you've had a shout out yet, but I'm just gonna go on, off on a little tangent here. To the point of people just uh, uh, shoehorning Hufflepuffs into into a, a typecast here, all of my plants are from Ikea. A curse like a goddamn sailor. I've got the inappropriate sense of humor of like a 14-year-old. I'm I am unequivocally a Hufflepuff. I'm just saying, okay, look, I'm just I'm not nearly as pretty as Cedric and I'm a Hufflepuff. Another difference, right? Okay, look. I, You're also not dead. I'm also <laughs> I am Spoiler. also not dead <laughs> because the only important thing Hufflepuffs do in Harry Potter is get petrified or die. So take that typecast and <laughs> shove it. Um, you know, just on the, on the subject of houses, I always, there, uh, when writing Milton, um, uh, the, so, you know, I, I've got a notebook here, which I'm holding up. It's got a bunch of stickers on it and it's got all of the collected handwritten notes and writings of Milton and he struggles as a character with being uh being a Hufflepuff and and going like I think this is really cool and other people going yeah okay um and I think that that uh what what he what he comes to is like that being placed in a house is often what you need um rather than who you are. And I think that that's sort of an interesting way to look at it. Um, you know, I don't know that that's true for every character, but um, like if you, if you look at our, our, at, you know, Harry, Hermione and Ron uh, to some extent, there are Gryffindors and to other extent, like you can make the case that Ron is a Hufflepuff. You can make the case that Hermione is a, is a, 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 a Ravenclaw and, but they need to be in Gryffindor because they need each other and they need to be in Gryffindor because they need the lessons of being in Gryffindor. Um, and that, that just always resonated. That felt good to me being a Slytherin that like, well, maybe that's what I need more so than, than who I am. That makes sense. Cause I can make the case for you being a Ravenclaw too. <laughs> just in that short time I'm like mm. <laughs> but I like that you're Slytherin and I really love how like pro slugger horn you are 
Okay, so my creator shout out is the Magical Marauder. And they just have pretty pictures. That's really what it comes down to. I love the colors and the tones. Um, They're very bright and fun. Well, we want to thank you all, Michael, Madeline, Raphael, and Remus, for enjoying and joining us today. And and if we were looking for more information and ways to engage with Milton and follow him on his adventures through um, talking mirrors or whatever to, to Starbucks bathrooms and with Ikea plants and all that, where, where can we find Milton? Uh, so the easiest thing is going to MiltonMudblood.com. It's got links to all of our stuff and it's got a sort of a wonderful webpage that Madeline designed. Um, and it's, it's very pretty. Um, but we're also, we're Milton Mudblood on pretty much every platform. Yeah, please follow on Instagram. Please subscribe on YouTube. Um, and yeah, we're at MiltonMudblood.com. Just Milton Mudblood everywhere. Last plug, don't forget to, yeah, please, please, if you enjoy our content, and I, I, I find myself posting this a lot, but if you just want a, a very, a, a nice dose of magic just infected into your day, then you really, you won't go wrong with the video content that we have. And and so please follow us at uh, Molten Mudblood on Instagram and, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can keep updated with all the all the content we like to share. All right. And I think that's it. Unless you have anything else, Stephen. I can't even get my mic off mute. So I clearly don't. (laughs) (laughs) Danny, we're done here. Uh